0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
1: Better late than never. We've all heard that before. Well, it's true when it comes to Artemis 1. Better late than never. Uh, early morning launch on Wednesday. It was spectacular, and Stephen Clark was there for SpaceFlightNow.com, and he joins us from Florida. And Stephen, uh, quite a sight, a long time and a lot of money, and it finally launched.
2: Yeah, Steve, thanks for having me. Yeah, it was a long time coming, uh, five years late. Uh, this rocket has cost more than $20 billion to uh design and develop, uh, but a nearly flawless, by all accounts, flawless launch uh, on Wednesday morning from Kennedy Space Center. This is the uh, most powerful rocket that has ever been designed and developed by NASA and one of the most powerful uh, ever to launch. It's in the class of the Saturn V rocket from the 1960s from the Apollo era, and uh, we waited years for this launch, and the last few months of the rocket has been delayed several times the last few months due to leaks in the hydrogen system, and we finally, everything came together on Wednesday morning, and the rocket launched at 1.47 a.m. Eastern time, and the Orion spacecraft, which is designed to carry people on the next flight, potentially, if everything goes well for the rest of the mission, is now about halfway to the moon.
1: Yeah, it it was a spectacular sight, and the people that uh, happened to be there to see it. Uh, once upon a time, I, I saw a pre-dawn launch of Columbia on Columbia's second-to-last flight. Uh, we were down there and, and took the family out there and went through all the rigmarole to get close enough to a, a viewing site at a Kennedy Space Center. Uh, it, it really was something. So for for those on site for that launch. Wow. Something they'll never forget.
2: Yeah, exactly. It was a, was a window rattling launch because uh, actually we have an office uh, uh, at the Kennedy space center press site, about three and a half miles from the pad. And I was actually, we have panoramic windows to look out for the launch pad. And I was inside uh, for doing, covering the launch, basically updating our website and doing some commentary on our YouTube uh, channel. And, uh, but, could look through the panoramic windows, watch the entire sky light up, and the windows started rattling because it takes. We're about three and a half miles away, so it took about fifteen twenty seconds for the sound wave to reach us. And I've seen I've seen hundreds of launches, uh, and including a few space shuttles. And to me, this uh, this rival the space shuttle maybe was even a little more powerful. More the sound was a little bit louder than the space shuttle, which makes sense because it is. A little bit more thrust than the shuttle was, and it's nearly twice the height of the space shuttle as well in terms of the height of this, of this Artemis uh, rocket. And it was just a spectacular sight. And uh, I was, you know, I looked over to my colleague about 30 seconds after the launch. And we were we were both inside watching it uh, through these windows, and I was like, I got to go take a look at this outside. <laughs> so I, I ran outside for about 15 seconds, just got got a quick glimpse of it, and it's something I'll never forget.
1: Yeah, it, it, extraordinary, but there are still are critics of yes, uh, SLS, uh, Artemis one on this test mission. Number one, the expense. Number two, the fact mm-hmm. none of it's reusable. Everything that launched uh, early on Wednesday morning is disposable. None of it's coming back to be reused.
2: Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. We've, we've become accustomed to uh, the regularity of seeing SpaceX land and reuse their uh, boosters and as well as their their payload fairings, the nose cones of their rockets, they also reuse. So, you know, on a SpaceX Falcon 9 launch, more than three-quarters of that vehicle is reusable. And, uh, of course, SpaceX is is developing the new rocket called the Starship that we've talked about before that is designed to be 100% reusable. And the Space Launch System rocket that we saw debut on Wednesday is kind of – a blast from the past, uh, in the sense that it is a fully disposable, expendable rocket, whereas SpaceX is moving in the reusable direction, and even other companies like uh, United Launch Alliance are at least talking about recovering and reusing their engines on their future rockets. Uh, But the Space Launch System, no plans to recover or reuse any of these elements. And I mentioned off the bat, this rocket has cost more than $20 billion to develop and get to this point. And right now, the unit cost of each of these rockets is $4.1 billion. So the next one will cost $4.1 billion, and the one after that will cost $4.1 billion, mm-hmm. according to NASA's own Inspector General. And so these are very, very expensive rockets. Uh, but the difference, I think the one difference is that uh what NASA would tell you is the space launch system is designed to get humans to the moon, not land it, not, not land on the moon, mind you, but to get uh, humans to the moon in one shot. And SpaceX's Starship does require some in-orbit refueling to be able to get that same amount of mass to the moon. But uh, in the long run, I think you'll be difficult to you'll be, it'll be difficult to find anyone to ask to, to tell you uh, that the Space Launch System has a finite, shelf, a finite shelf life because the writing's on the wall that um, at SpaceX, they have a solution that maybe is a little will take a little bit uh, longer to develop in terms of getting capability to get humans all the way to the moon, it, 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 like the Space Launch System and Orion can. But once that capability is sustained, we're talking costs that will be in the single digits percent of cost of the Space Launch System.
1: And we're pleased to be joined by Stephen Clark from Kennedy Space Center on the Cities One Plumbing Talk and Text Line and uh, his website, spaceflightnow.com. So let's take us through the timeline of this particular mission, that the the spacecraft will orbit the moon. Uh, There's a lot they're checking out. And then beyond that, the next launch, would would that be Artemis Two? Take us through that.
2: Exactly, yeah. So this mission is an unpiloted, uncrewed test flight. And uh, basically, the rocket uh, is fully uh, developed, and this was a test flight of the full-up rocket. The spacecraft, which is the Orion capsule on top, is nearly ready to carry people. It lacks a few things like cockpit displays and controls that they're going to put in for the next mission. But the plan is, if, if this mission ends successfully... The plan is to put the four astronauts, so it'll be three Americans and one Canadian, based on the international agreement that NASA has with the Canadians, on the Artemis two mission. And then Artemis two mission would uh, launch on the same type of rocket, same type of spacecraft, and actually send those four astronauts on a trajectory around the far side of the moon, sort of like an uh, If if any of your listeners remember Apollo uh, 13, where they did what's called a free return trajectory, where they just bounce around the far side of the moon and come right back to Earth. And uh, that's the the flight plan for Artemis 2, assuming the successful conclusion of Artemis 1, which is now on the way to the moon. This Artemis 1 mission is uh, scheduled to return uh, to uh, the Orion spacecraft, is scheduled to return to a splashdown off the coast of California, in the Pacific, on December the 11th.
1: All right. And then Artemis two. when could we see a launch, or is that a ways out?
2: It's it's a ways out. Uh, So it's about two years away uh, from launch. And one of the main things that they have to do uh, before then is they have to modify uh, the mobile launch platform uh, tower that the uh, rocket launched off of. They have to install a crew escape system, which is – kind of like a system, like a roller coaster type system where the astronauts, if there was an emergency before the launch, could bail out of the spacecraft and ride a, like a rail car or slide wire-type thing off of the pad, and they have to modify that tower to, uh, to add that and to install that. And another thing I mentioned earlier was the crew displays and cockpit um, uh, controls for the crew mission have to be, uh, the development of those have to be finished and installed on the wow. next Orion spacecraft. And we talked about no reuse. That's not entirely true. There's a tiny bit of, of, uh, of, of systems from this Orion spacecraft, uh, like a a couple of computers and some avionics that, uh, they are going to recover from this Orion spacecraft, uh, that when it splashes down after Artemis one and put those into the Artemis two spacecraft and refly them. So just based on the timeline to do those main tasks, um, This is about two years, so we're talking late 2024 for that Artemis two mission at the earliest.
1: All right. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back, and we'll get an update on uh, what uh, SpaceX, led by Elon Musk, is working on down in Texas and uh, is is a launch of Starship uh, imminent. We'll we'll get Stephen's thoughts on that coming up in a moment here on News Talk. 830-WCCO. Stephen Clark joins us, SpaceFlightNow.com from Kennedy Space Center and joining us on the John Schuster-Coldwell Banker Hotline. A little bit later on, Sports Saturday gets started. We'll preview the Vikes and Cowboys tomorrow. We have college football final, a number of area playoff teams uh, in action today. And uh, then uh, we'll get into the Big Ten and the Top 25. Much more Timberwolves on the radio tonight. They're in Philly to play the Sixers uh, Stephen, we, we talked about Artemis 1 on its mission now to the moon, uh, what it will do there when it returns to Earth. Uh, and then, of course, there's SpaceX. And they continue to develop the uh, Starship system, if you will. There's uh, a, a large heavy lift booster. And then, actually, the Starship that would ultimately orbit the Earth or, or travel to uh, the moon and beyond, maybe someday to Mars, uh, and we could see this fly relatively soon. What's the latest there? Yeah, they, exactly. They've
2: they've been working on uh, developing and testing the Starship down in South Texas now for uh, uh, three or four years uh, since we've seen some of the very earliest tests down there. I think back in 2019. Um, right now, they have uh, they've stacked a fully a fully uh, assembled starship super heavy rocket uh, on the launch pad a couple of times for tests um the st- super heavy booster the the first stage that gets the vehicle off the ground has 33 engines uh 33 methane fueled engines to power this thing off the ground and just earlier in the week uh spacex test fired 14 of those 33 engines together for a few seconds on the pad and they're slowly ramping up uh, they're going to probably do another test firing at some point with more engines, and ultimately we'll do a test firing with all 33 engines. That'll be one of the final tests before they can sign off and give the go-ahead to actually do this test flight. And the Starship is in the class of the Space Launch System. It has a, it's about the, a little bit taller, actually, has a little bit more per lift capability, but the difference, the key differences in cost and reusability, as we talked about earlier, I, I suspect uh, we heard from NASA, which actually has a part in the Starship program because they want this the Starship vehicle that sits on top of the Super Heavy to land on the moon as part of the Artemis program. So all these programs are, it's kind of it's difficult to explain on, on radio, but all these programs are kind of connected together. So uh, NASA's program to land on the moon, return humans to the moon, their architecture relies on the Space Launch System to get the humans off the ground and the Starship element to actually land the humans on the moon after they, uh, after they rendezvous and meet up with the astronauts in orbit around the moon. So uh, I suspect, uh, I don't think it's likely that we're going to see a Starship super-heavy test flight before the end of the year at this point, uh, just based on their SpaceX is making slow but steady progress, and we've heard from Elon Musk a few weeks ago that they have kind of taken a more conservative approach in their development and testing of the Starship uh, early on in the program, they were kind of testing things to, uh, to see what would work. We saw some of the starships explode when they landed, sure. and a lot of that was a lean-forward strategy to try to be aggressive and find problems early on and fix them, and they and they did, and they, and they succeeded in landing a starship on an atmospheric full-altitude test flight finally back in uh, 2021. But we've heard from Elon, uh, uh, based on some of his comments in the last few weeks, that they're taking a more conservative approach because they they've built up this massive launch pad down in texas and they don't want to blow it up at this point because it's it would set them back uh he said i think it said six to eight months if they had to rebuild that launch pad if it blew up on launch or landing so um i think it's unlikely we're going to see a test flight uh before the end of the year but certainly uh remains a a high probability that they could try to do it in early 2023 and at that point I think we've talked about this before, Steve, having America having two enormous, super heavy lift rockets, the Starship and the Space Launch System operational at the same time would be unprecedented because uh, it would give certainly the United States more capability in terms of space lift uh, than the rest of the world combined at that point.
1: Yeah, and beyond that, there's Falcon Heavy, which is just a beefed-up version of the Falcon 9, which is the industry workhorse, and we've already talked about the reusability of that and the, the capability of the Dragon capsule to get humans safely into orbit to the International Space Station and bring them back safely to Earth. They they have a proven track record there. You know, the the capability continues to grow by leaps and bounds, and... That gives uh, the, the United States, SpaceX, their partners at NASA, a lot of different options to get human beings ultimately into orbit and then beyond. Because I know Elon Musk continues to talk about this dream of getting humans to Mars, and it, it would it would be in a Starship the way it looks.
2: Exactly. Yeah, we don't want to. Uh find the uh you know uh, we don't want to retire the falcon nine and dragon just yet because those are the work those are the workhorses for spacex and really for america's space program right now we've seen 52 launches of the falcon nine and found in Falcon 51 falcon nines and one falcon heavy so 52 in total launches by spacex this year which is more than once per week it's shattering any record of of uh the launch activity or launch cadence by any company or government in history, and still a few weeks to go in this calendar year. And we just heard uh, SpaceX just announced yesterday that they're actually going to build one more, one additional Dragon crew ca- uh, crew spacecraft to expand expand their fleet. They had previously said that they were not going to build any more Dragon space spacecraft. Uh, these are reusable capsules that carry astronauts to the space station, but they are now building a fifth one. And that's to meet higher demand from NASA and also commercial customers like space tourists who want to fly into orbit. Uh, and they say this will meet the demand that they see for the rest of this decade through the 2020s. So they're seeing very high demand and uptake for their Falcon 9 and Dragon spacecraft. And perhaps uh, this may the decision to add another Dragon spacecraft may suggest also that maybe the Starship is going to be not quite not not quite ready as soon as they had originally hoped because the initial, initially they want to uh they've talked about switching over all their launches over to starship including their human launches but they don't want to do that until the starship is ready and is fully qualified to carry people to space which is going to take uh probably a few It'll probably be a few years before after we see that first test flight until the starship is qualified to carry people so they want to keep the Falcon 9 and Dragon going during that time.
1: Yeah, and, and there, there seems to be an appetite for more orbiting platforms, if you will. Uh, the, the, the Chinese have one, and they continue to expand that. And we have the International Space Station, and ultimately the partnership with Russia is is still out there, and there's some uncertainty, but uh, there's sure to be more orbiting platforms. And the fact that you you have, it's still dangerous, but a reliable performer like Falcon 9 and a proven capsule like Dragon, um, I, I... I wouldn't be surprised if we see an announcement that they're going to build more dragons, that they're going to go beyond five.
2: Yeah, it it wouldn't be shocking because we're seeing um, NASA is relying on SpaceX to carry astronauts to and from the International Space Station, of course. And there are other companies uh, that are planning commercial space stations. Uh, And in fact, uh, NASA, as part of their long-term exploration strategy, uh, is trying to f- repurpose a lot of their funding and effort and focus from operating the International Space Station to going back to the moon with the Artemis program. And uh, they don't want to abandon, uh, abandon low-Earth orbit, which is several hundred miles above the Earth. So their plan is to kind of incentivize commercial companies to build commercial space stations, could be several of them, in low-Earth orbit. And then NASA could lease time Or or buy a ticket for a government astronaut on occasion to go to the space station to perform testing or research, but it would be a privately owned space station, and the demand for transportation to that, especially if there are multiple uh, space stations in in orbit, there will be even higher demand for crew, crew and cargo transportation from companies like SpaceX, which is which is the leading, of course, the leading transportation provider for low Earth orbit right now.
1: Yeah, and Boeing are trying to catch up with their Starliner uh, capsule. Uh, before we let you go real quick, is there any update on, on where Boeing's at? And I, I know they're working toward a crewed launch of Starliner.
2: Right, right, yep. Uh, right now, the most recent update we have from Boeing is they're targeting no earlier than April for the first crew flight on oh. the Starliner. That's about a two-month delay from what they had announced back in the summer. Uh, so they're still, they had this mostly successful unpiloted test flight to the space station back in May, which itself was delayed from a from a kind of a failed test flight back in 2019. They redid that test flight. It went much, much better. Uh, it achieved all of its primary objectives and docked to the space station back in May. But there were a few minor issues with thrusters as well as some issues with um, I believe, an issue with the uh, with the uh, docking system on the space station where it links up with the space station uh, that they were able to overcome on that test flight. But they want to evaluate the long term implications for that. And of course, when you put astronauts on it, they are even more risk averse. So they're kind of crossing their T's and dotting their I's in that regard. So April would be the earliest we could see astronauts fly on Boeing's capsule.
1: All right. Well, always good to visit with you, Stephen. Uh, Enjoy your work at SpaceFlightNow.com. Take care.
2: You too. Thank you.
1: All right. There he is, Stephen Clark.